The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Job Readiness Certification Maximize Team Building Skills and Success Part 1 A Professional Development Seminar Featuring CEO of QSI Global, Talia Fox and Andre Thornton of Whitman Consulting For most of us, teamwork is a part of everyday life whether it's at home, in the community, or at work, we are often expected to be a functional part of a performing team. This workshop will encourage participants to explore the different aspects of a team, as well as ways that they can become a top-notch team performer. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Job Readiness Certification. Maximize team building skills and success Part 1, featuring Talia Fox and Andre Thornton. Alright, welcome everyone. We are going to get started. It is Friday morning. It is 9 something to something. How are you feeling this morning? Good. Good? Can I hear that nice and, nice and loud? How are you feeling? Good. Good. Right. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am, and I'll tell you how, how we're going to run this session today. Uh, our your instructor that she was supposed to be there got sick, and so she could not make it. I am the CEO, actually, of Precise Global, so I'm standing in. You have another person that is coming, so you're going to get to spend some time with me for uh, an hour or so as we move through this process. Let me tell you about my, my background. Kusai is a learning and development leadership consulting firm. We actually do training all over the world. We travel to Brussels for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, we do work with Lockheed, Northrop Grumman, um, the Department of Veterans Affairs, FAA, Security Exchange Commission. We have tons of clients and we go all over the world, um, USAID. And what we do is that we develop leaders at all levels. We even work with high-ranking political leaders. And the goal is to figure out how to get people to communicate and to behave in such a way to get results. Um, I started this business almost 20 years ago. I was a single mom. I started my apartment. It was just me, and it grew to this 72-person uh, consulting firm that travels all around the world uh, to do quite a bit of work in, in leadership development. So really excited about that. Uh, I, been in the, in the classroom like this in a while because when you become CEO you are doing so much business stuff so I'm so excited to be here. I would not want to be anywhere else but right here with you all because I am remembering when I was in your shoes and the skills that I needed to learn. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move forward. So let's let's talk about some skills and we'll I'll share more about myself. Feel free to ask me absolutely anything. I'm an open book about life, about work. If you have any questions about the journey, I will be more than happy to share that journey because it's, you know, anytime someone makes it to a place, we've all been through some things, right? <laughs> um, and so anything that you'd like to know or ask, just you raise your hand, you interrupt, and, and we'll talk about it. But let, let's set the stage here and talk about a few things uh, that we need to know if we're going to maximize success. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to define what it means to maximize success. So the first thing, there is no more important skill than this. Energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. If you want an immediate edge over every single other person that will be going after a job, 
If you can figure out a way, even if it's not comfortable for you, to have a great attitude, not a good attitude, a great attitude, and have energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. Here's the dilemma, I think, as new professionals. There is almost this idea, I actually tried to practice when I was young being cool. You know, there's a coolness. And I remember being in high school where I would be excited about something, and if you acted too excited, you were kind of the one that was like, hey, you know, relax, it's, it's not that serious kind of thing. That ends up really becoming a bad thing. We, we, in high school and in college, I don't know what it is with the socializing, there, we develop some kind of self-consciousness of like, let me just cool, be cool, lay back, and take very low risks when it comes to social interactions, right? There's, there's something, I see it across, uh, across big groups of people, particularly at ages, there is this, it's easier to just sit back and chill than it is to be that person that's really out there and talking. That skill will not serve you well moving into work and success because your competence and your value is going to be contingent upon your ability to be assertive and to get in there. The world, remember this quote, the world is owned by the bold. It is owned by the bold and everybody else just becomes the, the bold's employees or people, right? But there are, a, there's a small percentage of people, they are bold, they're getting all the opportunities, and then you just have the masses. So it's going to be up to you who you are going to be. And it's one small shift, energy, enthusiasm, and excitement. And let me tell you what that looks like. So for me, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I'm extreme introvert. Do you know that I prefer to sit somewhere in a corner and be completely quiet for the entire day. Does that surprise you? Why does it surprise you? It seems like I'm so talkative. Many people say, wow, she's that type of person that really likes to talk to people. I am not. But, I'm liking talking to you right now. I choose to be competent, competent for the moment that is in front of me. So what that means is that I'm talking to you and so in order for me to talk to you and engage you, it requires me to raise my voice and have some energy. It does not matter what I feel like doing. Many of us don't feel like filling out job applications. <laughs> Many of us don't feel like reading our textbooks. Many of us don't feel like, most people don't feel like going to work every day. I mean, let's just be real, right? <laughs> A lot of people, even if you're in your dream job, there's that morning, it's 6.30, and we, we would kind of want to go back to bed. Anybody ever felt like going back to bed? Am I alone? Okay, it happened to me a couple hours ago. <laughs> okay. But you choose to get up out of bed because you understand that the results of getting up out of bed and showing up are going to be better than the results of doing what makes you feel comfortable. The same thing applies when it comes to energy. You have to choose energy. It's, it's not just there. Many of us think that you have to wake up and feel excited to be excited. You have to feel happy to smile. Absolutely not. It is a decision. And the reason it's such an important decision in the workplace is because it is the thing that makes you stand out and it is the thing that really captivates people. Right? So if you can literally, and we're going to talk about a lot of skills throughout the day. You'll have a lot of uh, interesting information. But if you could actually 
own this energy, enthusiasm, and excitement, your life will change immediately. This doesn't mean I'm a little bit theatrical, I suppose, as I make an accent and some kind of voice, I get up here and I'm okay. Some of us that may not feel very authentic to you, it might be hard to be out there, it may feel awkward and it may not come off well, but your energy may just be your eyes are open, you have good posture, which is also a choice, you're looking someone in the eye and you are present and focused. Energy is also about being where you are when you're there. I'm about to say something real deep. Are you ready for it? If you cannot master where you are when you're there, you will never be able to go anywhere. One of the other skills with this energy is can you be focused where you are in the moment? Really, really important. Okay, so that's, that's the first tool. That's gonna set the stage here because as I'm talking to you, and it's funny, as I started talking, I see the energy happening in everyone's eyes. You hear it and you automatically, some of us chose to, oh, let me wake up a little bit. Something's going on here, right? This is great. I actually already feel the energy lifting. So we're setting the stage here. So energy, enthusiasm, and, ex and excitement. This is about gratitude. My father can't read. He grew up in the Bahamas. He told me he tried to in the eighth grade, sit in the bushes and read Cat in the Hat. He cannot read. When I was, in eighth, when I was literally eight years old, the reason I'm an entrepreneur is because my father used to take me, he, he, he's a reggae artist. Everybody like reggae? Okay, great. So my father used to take me with him to sign contracts for the Mirage Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas when I was eight years old, because he was the band man. I thought he was teaching me entrepreneurship, but I learned several years ago that he was taking me there because he could not read the contract. So he would say, you read this and you tell me. I thought I was being groomed. That's kind of how my entrepreneurship journey started. I got a really early start because my father couldn't read. So I have energy and enthusiasm because my life could have really turned out a lot different. My mother is disabled. She became a single mom. Right? I, in college, got pregnant. I came home and I overheard my mother say, well, Talia, another one bit the dust. She told me to get up the next morning and she was very excited about us going and standing online to get our food stamps. WIC, and you may not know what that is, but it's support and services, welfare. And then she took me over to Starbucks try to get a job and I cried and I cried and I cried because I just felt like there was something else that I could and should be doing. So I put that baby on my back and I went on back to Howard and it was a long journey but I made the decision to do something different and to be different. So my energy, my enthusiasm, my excitement comes from an intense gratitude that the entire trajectory of my life could have been different. And so I show up every day reflecting that energy and enthusiasm. All right, so the next piece of this is, there is a shift that we all have to make. And I like to call it the shift from amateur to professional. What's an amateur? Think about sports, anybody play sports? A little bit, okay. What's an amateur when you think about sports? 
Yeah, just getting started, maybe on the rec team and just kind of getting started. Excellent. Welcome. How are you? Go ahead and have a seat with colleagues. Excellent. Um, okay, so that's an amateur. And what's a professional? When you get paid for it. Oh, I like that definition. That's real straight to the point, right? You're getting paid. What else? Yes, when you're an expert at your skill. I'm going to close this door real quick. So there is this same dynamic that's happening in the workplace. And before we get into team building, I just want to set the stage for who we need to be as individuals. So there is a shift that we all have to make. And I like to call it a shift from amateur to pro. So an amateur, let me tell you what they look like. An amateur walks into their offices, their life, their school every day, and this is pretty much what they look like. This is just who I am, and this is what I do. I wake up, I do this, I talk like this, I walk like this, I think like this, I drink orange juice every day. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I don't. They kind of walk in, they're not really looking at, they sit where they feel like they want to sit. They're constantly thinking about, I hope people get me. Or sometimes they're even like, I don't really care if people get me or not. This is just who I am, so you better just figure it out and get over it, right? I'm just here. And so they're walking around in almost a zombie-like state. This is the amateur of just getting started. It's usually low energy, and it's usually this whole, it's a self-centeredness. All you can think about is your own comfort, your own opportunities, what you need to do for yourself, and you're just stuck in this world that you only exist in. And you're hoping that something is gonna happen that will serve you well, okay? That's an amateur. And many of us are in that state when we begin our journey in school, when we begin our journey toward, toward work. If you cross over, to be a professional, let me tell you what a professional looks like. A professional, just like the amateur, might have stayed up all night watching a series till 2 o'clock in the morning, but at 6 o'clock they are up. Even if they are exhausted, they will open their eyes and they are ready because it's game time. The professional walks into their life every day, and you can see it. They're ready. They're choosing to be ready. They're walking like this, they're looking at people, they're ready for opportunities, and they have one question that they're asking themselves every day. They're present and they say, what does this situation need from me today to be most effective? Not, what can I do, what's my personality? I don't like to talk, I like to talk, I'm shy. Are you shy? I like to talk, but I'm not really shy. Sometimes I'm shy, I like to be shy. Who cares? <laughs> Right now, in this moment, shy or not shy, quiet or not quiet, right in this very specific moment, I am talking to, I don't know, the director at Lockheed Martin. So at this moment, I need to get it together, stand up, open my eyes, and speak up. And when you're done, you can go, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm going back up to my hotel. So a professional, though, understands when it is game time. And so many of us don't understand, A, you don't, we don't understand the game, but we don't really recognize when the, you'll have to help me with this, I don't know much about sports. It's not the shot clock, because that would be when you're going to shoot. Help me with the analogy. The buzzer? So yeah, when the game starts, what's it called? Is that just the buzzer? The jump ball? We'll figure it out. Anyway. Um, there was some indication that, oh, jump ball, like in the beginning when you, yeah, there we go. Okay, it, it just came to me. It just, 
Um, but but we're, we, we have to understand when it's game time. So you all right now, as you're about to enter into the networking piece, there should not be the same exact feeling and personality that you have had throughout the last four months because you are on the court now and it's game time, right? I am amazed at how consistent people are. Could you imagine if people played basketball the same way that they hang out at a bar? Or the same way that they just relax at home watching television? You cannot win a game. You can see there's a whole different personality. You have to be focused and ready, and you have to have what else? Energy, enthusiasm, excitement. One other quick thing. Do you think I'm a good basketball player, even though I have so much energy, enthusiasm, and excitement? Skill, there we go. So not only do we have to know when it's game time, now we have to learn, sorry for my sports analogies, I know nothing about sports, but we're gonna keep using them because it just works. We have to know the form of how to shoot the ball. We have to know how to dribble. We have to know the rules of the game and we have to develop the skills to play. Here's the good news. I don't understand why in professionalism and business etiquette and connection that people think that it's so personal. So here is the, the lie that you are told, that we all are told, and this really impacts us diversity-wise. We are told that there are some people that are just like this and other people that are not. And we miss that this is actually a game that you practice and hone over time until you get better at it. And when I say it, this, I'm talking about the ability to interact with people, to connect with people, to introduce yourself, right? To share your story about who you are. It's not personal, it's not natural. Nobody was born as a little toddler walking around. Good afternoon, my name. No, we don't, we, we are not born with those skills. The people that are good at it have learned it. What you're seeing here today, I was once one years old, I was 10, I was 15. I wouldn't have been able to get up here and talk to a big group like this. Matter of fact, when I was in fifth grade, I tried to sing Whitney Houston in front of my whole peers. I ended up throwing the microphone and I had Care Bear underwear. I actually went to my mom, I, I literally ran to my mother and busted my pants and the entire school saw my Care Bear underwear. It was humiliating. Didn't do that again, though. I learned the skills to not make that happen. But the point of the matter is, the reason that you're here is because you're learning the skills of the game. So um, the, the only reason I'm sharing that is because as we talk in here, none of it's personal. So some of you are going to get up as we go through, and you're going to introduce yourself. We're going to do a series of exercises. If you're feeling kind of, oh, I, I wish I was better at this, or I wish I'd get rid of that, because that's ego literally say, yeah, I can see I haven't been on the court that much. I'm a little bit rusty. And so the more I practice, the better I'll, I'll get at this, okay? Um, so energy, enthusiasm, excitement, from amateur to pro. Um, and by the way, let me say one more thing about this. Are you with me? Good, good. Don't, I don't want to bore you to tears, so we have some other things going on here. Um, so from amateur to pro, here's the other good news about this. A, it's not personal. B, every single one of us is going to have amateur moments. Right, does that happen in, in basketball too? Oh, I almost got the sport wrong. I'm saying, I was about to say football. It happens in basketball, we have these amateur moments. And you hear the, 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 the sportscasters talking about these amateur moments. 
So what we want to do is we take it one game at a time, one day at a time, one experience at a time, right? So you might have an amateur moment at 9 o'clock in the morning. Maybe the amateur moment was that you didn't show up to whatever your commitment was on time. Maybe your amateur moment was that you introduced yourself and you felt like you were all over the place. You literally notice it, make your corrections, and you get prepared for the next moment. So the game here is to actually have as many professional moments as possible, as many skilled moments as possible. The, the goal here is not to completely get rid of your amateur moments, because they will happen. Okay? So on a daily basis, when can I cross over? Uh, I'll tell you a, a quickly an amateur moment that I almost had this morning. So I, was, I hadn't had coffee yet. I was feeling really exhausted. I told you I got off a plane. I was in New Orleans at a conference. And the plane got in late, so I woke up just feeling tired. You know, sometimes when you're tired and in a little bit of a mood. So I walked into this conference, and I've been coming to this conference for so long, I know quite a bit of people. So I really didn't want to talk to anybody. I told you I got my introvert. And I was kind of walking in, and I was feeling this dread, like, oh, I'm going to have to say hello to so many people, right? And so I thought about the fact that I was going to be talking to you about this today, because I almost was going to have an amateur moment. I'm going to tell you what my amateur moment is. I'm going to kind of look down and walk fast, right, to kind of pretend that I don't see people that I know. That was my amateur decision. But I decided in the moment, I said, Talia, this is one day, not even a day. This is the next 20 minutes. And it means something to people to connect with them. It means something to create relationships. So can you, even though you're tired, even though you don't feel like it, can you raise your head and say hello and smile and good morning to multiple people over the next 20 minutes? Because Sunday is going to come. I'm going to be in my cozy chair watching some show. <laughs> I'll have my moment to be introverted and to zone back out. But right now, over the next few moments, I can do that. So I took a deep breath, and I walked in. And ironically, the impact is I feel so energized now. I was energized by my decision to be a, be a professional. So every day, it's just crossing over one step at a time. Um, and then lastly, uh, if you are interested in moving from just ordinary to extraordinary, if you can just literally focus on the energy, enthusiasm, and excitement, and developing some key skills. And I will tell you, uh, so those of you, most of you are engineers, right? You're going into some kind of STEM field. Um, in addition to working on your technical skills, I would invest as much resource and time into working on your communication skills, because that is really going to separate you from the pack. So there is a rumor, not always true, that science-minded folks <laughs> and engineers tend not to be so talkative in the communication skills. This is actually, unfortunately, that is, that is uh, paying for, a, for my lavish lifestyle. <laughs> I work with engineers and scientists, and I get calls from directors from all over the country and the world. And one of the things we do is we come in and we help science people communicate and work together better. Because it becomes a little bit of a problem when it comes to innovation, when it comes to leadership. 
They don't know how to turn brilliant people into effective leaders, and it just boils down to communication. So invest in communication, um, energy, and enthusiasm, and you will instantly be extraordinary. Instantly. Easy peasy. Easy enough? We're done? We can have coffee? Okay, great. Um, all right, so let's talk about this idea of team building. Uh, I love talking about team building because we cannot do anything alone. Do you agree with that? Well, some things we can do alone. But teams are very, very important. Um, you have to come to a team, though, as a whole person, right? A team made up of a bunch of people that don't have skills and aren't good. You, boy, the sports analogies are just coming, right? Um, you've got to have good players on the team. We don't like to talk about that, but is it true? You're listening to Job Readiness Certification, Maximize Team Building Skills and Success, Part 1, a professional development seminar featuring Talia Fox and Andre Thornton. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And so you want to be one of the good players. Right? So team building is really, really effective. Uh, so we're going to both talk about who you are as a person, how that affects everything, and we're going to talk about teams. Um, let me tell you why teams are important, and then you have an, I'll give you an exercise to do. Um, every organization, they hire multiple people. And the... I shouldn't call it a lie, but I can't think of another word right now. Um, the, the lie that is, that is told to you is that you as an individual and your contribution is the most important priority, right? So most people really focus on what they need to do. Some people focus on what they need to do as individuals so much that when somebody on the team is failing or not doing what they're supposed to do, two things happen. Either one, you don't care at all, <laughs> because the, the consensus is, well, I'm doing well. Or two, there's a third thing that happens here, which is even more sad. Some people almost have a little hit of ego to know that they're doing what they're supposed to do in the presence of somebody else that's not doing what they're supposed to do. It almost gives you kind of a psychological superiority feeling, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did do my, my stuff. That actually happened to me in college. Me and a girlfriend and I, we went out and we stayed out till maybe like 3.30 in the morning. And the next day we had a calculus test. So we get on the, the shuttle, this is at Howard going to campus. And she says, oh my gosh, we didn't even study for our calculus test. We stayed out all night. So I was like, you didn't study. <laughs> but it, I, I kind of had like a feeling, right? But there's something about that that's like, it's slightly shady. <laughs> Right? Why, why did I feel good about the fact that I studied and she didn't? That's not nice. But I did feel that way. I was like, yeah. And I just looked at her and I even got my book and I'm like, good luck on your test. Right? What a friend am I? I've been trained since then. But again, this, this becomes a mindset. In an organization, one of my strategies, and by the way, every single job I've ever had before I became the CEO of Kusai Global in six months, I was promoted to a director position. 
I've been coaching people for about 10 years. Every person that I coach, they got a promotion within three months of coaching because there are some strategies of playing this game. And one of them is, if you could recognize that it's the collective value of the team that is very, very important to the organization and it's not just you, they will immediately see you as a leader because you are a liability if it's just you performing and you're not really impacting or thinking about how everybody else needs to perform on the team. If you're a person that's doing really well and someone sees you helping somebody else do better than they would have done, can you see how that would be very valuable? Um, one more quick story and then we're, we're gonna move on to this exercise. Uh, I was called in to two major organizations. Both of them are actually at this conference. And it was a time where budgets were being cut. And they had to look at employees and they said, who are we going to keep and who are we going to cut? So the consensus in this conversation was all CEOs and vice presidents in this room. The consensus in this conversation was that technical skills come a dime a dozen. But they actually literally scanned the organization for people that had the ability to rally and work well on a team. So let me tell you what they did. They literally gave a number to everybody that had technical skills and they let the computer decide. And then they handpicked out the people that had energy, enthusiasm, and excitement and that they felt could impact the team. And you were safe. You were a keeper, even if your technical skills were not as amazing or superior to other people that got the number. Can you see why they would do something like that? Because the value is your ability to work on a team. All right. Okay, so here's your first exercise that you're going to do with your team. Let me see how many people we have. Six, one, two, three. We want to mix this up a little bit. Um, all right, I'm going to count you off by by five, um, you, you could just take your books. So you can move back to these seats. You can take your books and a snack if you need it. Okay, so let me, let me give you your assignment. Natural leaders will emerge in your group, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, what you're going to do on this piece of flip chart paper, and I'll give you some markers, is I want you to come up with a definition for the term maximize success. Maximize success. So what's going to happen on your teams is that success is probably defined differently for everybody at your group, in your group. So have a conversation about what success means to everyone at their group and come up with one definition that you think effectively represents your group. The goal here is not only to come up with the definition, but the goal here is to come up with something that reflects each person's definition of success. If there is one person in the group that does not fully contribute, your, your exercise has failed. And so you want to make sure that every single person at your table fully contributes to their definition of success. A couple of things are not OK. An answer I don't know is unacceptable. What do you do if you don't know? You ask, yes. You actually challenge your brain. This is what it is to, to be a professional. It's your definition of success. Uh, don't know is literally just a defense mechanism because we, we just may not be thinking about it or we may just feel like we don't want to contribute. You literally tell your brain, no, you will know something. You'll come up with some definition of success. It doesn't have to be the best definition. It doesn't have to be a definition that guides your entire life. But right now, in this moment, as you think about what success means for you, what is that definition? 
okay? And so not speaking, saying pass, saying I don't know is unacceptable in this space. Um, you want to try to do a, be a main contributor, each person, whether you're a talker or not. Is that okay? Excellent. All right, so a natural leader will emerge, begin your, your conversation, work as a team, and I'll pass around some markers. All right, let's, let's, let's do just a couple more. Finding peace, what would you do to find peace and work efficiently in order to help yourself and others? What's an action step? Coffee in hand, Friday morning, yes. Um, to find peace, I would pre-plan out what our um, objective is yes. um, as an individual. So when we come together, um, there's a clear step yeah. of what we should do. And um, we won't spend so much time on the idea and we can physically get to work. Yes. I love the connection of finding peace, meaning being clear about what we're working on so you don't feel that uneasiness. Excellent. Yes, I saw a hand. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, you might even have, for me, when I think about finding peace, have you ever been in a situation where you don't know something, but you feel like you have to act like you know? <laughs> so I used to do that a lot, but I just didn't know stuff. And so I had this really bad habit of sort of acting like I knew stuff because I knew I wasn't really doing what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. So I'd be like, oh, they'd be like, do you know how to do this? Yeah. You know so-and-so? You know, this is a director. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody knows her. <laughs> right? I, so this was like a habit that I had. And so one day it occurred to me, if I really want to know, why don't I just be the person that actually puts in the work to know? So I read lots of books because it makes me feel at peace to actually know stuff. And once I started knowing stuff, and after I went off to Harvard, I came back and now I feel confident when people are like, do you know, mm -mm, never heard of them. But can you tell me? Because the only way to know is you have to move through not knowing. It's a lesson I had to learn. Excellent, wonderful. Who's next, who had their hand raised? Yes. Mm, so what does that look like? I have coffee in hand. I want to be thoughtful and intentional with my actions right now, right this moment. Tell me, how do I do it? <laughs> ah, that is so practical, right? I had to tell one of my cousins, she's always late, always late. I mean, it, it's just, I, we don't know what to do with her. I, but actually my whole, some of my family's from Brooklyn. And I don't know what it is. They live in this one house and every single person, you like Brooklyn, right? Every single person, not the people from Brooklyn are late, because I also have Brooklyn, but every single person in this house in Brooklyn happens to be late. And it's to the point where it's causing havoc. I mean, late to everything. I have to leave her sometimes because she's late. And I said to myself, you know, I, we were just talking. I said, why are you late all the time? And I realized she doesn't know how to plan to be on time. So if there's something happening at nine and she's got to get on a train, she seems to think that leaving at 8.55 is going to do it. <laughs> so there has to be some thoughtfulness and she gets up at eight and it takes her about 55 minutes to get dressed. So she already planned to be late. Right? The planning, that, that decision to be late happened two hours ago. Right? That's really, really good. All right. Anything else? Yes. Okay, so what's something right now in this moment that maybe you or I or we can't control that we can, how, how do we physically do that? Well, I would say with that, I, I have always wanted to be taller too, but you know what I do in this moment? I stand tall. Right. You just, or you sit down, right? Um, excellent, excellent. 
Um, okay, let's go to the next one. The consistency to reach our goals in such a way that maximizes our potential but still allows us to grow, push, and push ourselves. So how do you consistently reach your goals in the moment, coffee in hand, what do you do? I love that. So th this habit, building habits and being consistent. The, the other thing I think with this that's inherent in there, remember we talked about the professionals in this moment? Do you have a goal? I love this idea of being intentional, but do you have a goal? Did you all set an intention and a goal this morning for how you, what you wanted to get out of this day? So you have to have a goal, and then is there a consistent behavior that you can offer to show up for that goal? So give me one goal that you have for today. So to network and meet professionals, so kind of to build up your, we call it relationship capital, right? So what's a consistent behavior that you could practice all day in order to do that? Talk to people. That means, remember I told you about my amateur moment this morning? So Andre, I told him I was in a funk this morning. So Andre, I'll let you know, we've been working together for a long time and, and there's some backstory to everything that happened to me this morning. So I told him I did not want to talk to anybody this morning, but I had to put on my professional outfit and smile. Because I said, it's only 20 minutes, Talia. You can smile and talk to people for 20 minutes. Andre and I, we go to conferences together, and I am really the introvert because he'll see me smiling, and he comes over and takes over and will smile. I'll say, oh, this is great. I can't wait to talk to you. And I'll look at him and say, I am so done. I can't deal with this anymore. Continue to talk to them because I'm literally about to fall out. So we will call you. Let me introduce you to, to Andre, and we, we kind of move on. Um, so absolutely, there is this talking to people and noticing when you're getting tired, when you don't want to talk to people, can you push, or is it time to stop and shift? Right, really important. Okay, so knowing the goal and having consistency is gonna maximize your potential. Okay, couple, couple more. Um, meeting standards, let's see, reaching beyond. What does it look like to reach behind? In this moment, beyond, I have coffee or tea in hand, Friday morning, what does it look like to reach beyond? God, it makes me wanna do a yoga pose. What does that look like, yes. Ooh, I love that. Can't eat Dunkin' Donuts because of the sugar, but, bringing the Dunkin' Donuts, showing up early. What is the beyond? Why do we want to just reach for mediocrity, right? So I even would say for your goal, maybe you can set a number. I just left a conference and I had to get 30 contacts before I left. I had to interact with 30 different people. And I was amazed at how easy it was once I set the goal. Excellent. What else? Yes, it might even be taking a little bit of a risk, right? So we have to sometimes try some things. It might be hey, I'm really looking for an opportunity. It would be a dream to work in your organization. Can I set up a 15-minute call with you? Or can we keep in touch? Or is there, you know, you might have a very specific ask that you feel uncomfortable about, and you may just want to take the risk. Some people in my field, they have different opinions on risk, but, you know, that, that could be, I, I believe in taking the risk. The world does belong to the bold. I saw another hand. Yes, sir. Reaching beyond would be uh, having a goal for yourself and going past that goal. So say you want to... Um, talk to X amount of people, you want to get to that amount, um, realize that you did that and say, I can do more, do better with anything you can do. Yes, pressing yourself to do more. So maybe if I had the goal of 30, could I have done 40, right? If it, because I, found, I did find it was a little easier than I thought it was. Excellent, excellent. Okay, one last one. Um, and I think this was on the other side. Let's just take a look at it real quickly. Then I'm gonna introduce Andre and we'll take a little bit of a break. Common personal values, I like this one. Common personal values um, is how to maximize success. How do you have common personal values? So right now, I've got my tea in hand, and I have some values. I think values drive everything that we do. Um, 
A, you want to know what your values are, but what would be something you could do actively today to honor your values? Yes, yeah, so know what your values are and then identify people, places, and things that may support and share those values. That's fantastic. What else? Yes. Being open to other people's values as well. Not necessarily that you have to take hmm. them, but just being able to listen. So something we talked about in our group was uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. In a way that, like, even though we might not understand what he's saying, everybody, you know, got the concept of what was going on. So. Yeah, what a concept. I value somebody respecting my values. So the way that I am going to live that value is I'm going to respect other values. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So it's like if that is one of your values. So uh, really quickly for me, I have a, a value system that I talk about where people in my presence, I hope that they leave uplifted or the same but never diminished in any way. And so one of the things I try to do, and this is, was very important to me this morning, is that it is important to smile and to connect with people. And I also am very careful about, we got on an elevator this morning and um, some of the staff, I think it was the janitorial staff was in the elevator. And then there were also people from the conference. And what I noticed is that everybody from the conference decided that they would say good morning to each other. And there were other people in the elevator that were kind of ignored. And so because of my value system, I made sure that I interacted with them with the same level of value and the same level of consideration that I would with someone wearing that badge, right? Because it's not just about what I can get, but it's also about the energy that I'm giving to the world. I think that that's so important. So this is going to be key for you, is because are we valuing our, our peers as much as we are even valuing people that have job opportunities for us? It's just a good practice to, to value people. All right, excellent. All right, now I'd like to introduce Mr. Andre Thornton, let me tell you a little bit about him. So he actually was a senior executive at Lockheed Martin for almost 20 years. Um, he led projects exceeding the billion dollar mark um, around, uh, air, he'll tell you a little more, <laughs> is it aircraft sales? Yes, around air, he's, he's gonna tell me to mess this up, aircraft sales. Um, but that is, that is what he has done. Let me tell you about who he is. He is um, a committed professional. He's been doing leadership development his entire career. Um, and now he has his own firm called Whitman Consulting. Um, his firm works with people all over the world. And what he does is he helps people figure out how to have an entrepreneurial spirit within the workplace. So it's not all of us are going to go out and start our own businesses. Many of us are going to get jobs like we are all here to do. So how do you actually own your job and help help build that up? Another thing that he is dedicated to, and, and I actually have been coached by him on a variety of different areas. Um, he is dedicated to helping people as individuals, as teams, as organizations, find passion and find purpose in life. And so we have these conversations all the time. Remember we talked about we're off message if we're thinking about our ego and too busy thinking about how well we're doing. The, the guide is what is all of this for? Right, what, are, what, are, what are we doing here? Is it just to kind of find a job and once you get the job, is that it and we're done? Um, the, living a life where you really have this purpose and you have this real north star of what you're trying to accomplish is very important. And so we both um, talk a lot about not just strategy and the skills to shift from amateur to professional, but you have to have the conversation of, and why am I here today? So what's the extra? What's the extra? Um, and so Andre is going to, as we come up in transition, I'll let you come on up, Andre, and sort of talk a little bit to the group. You can come on up now. Let's have a 
can I, can I brag about you for just a moment? Another, one more thing. Um, he's going to talk to you for a little bit, and then we'll take a break, or we can do a little exercise, and, and we'll come back. I did have a question about when we're ending, so I think probably about 12.15, 12.30 will we'll do it for us as we, as we continue forward. Okay. Yeah, so I think that'll be great. Yes. So one other couple of fun facts about Andre. Andre actually was drafted to the NFL before he became an engineer. Kind of. Well, not drafted. I don't use the right language. Something of, of or another. He was a football player and a very good one. I, I saw some videos. <laughs> um, but he's great. So a lot of experience, um, both as a professional and as a person. So um, let's just give him a big hand. Um, and Andre, to, to warm us up, I would love to hear about your definition for maximizing success and maybe how you live that out. Hmm. Great. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. So, um, wow, how, definition of success and how to maximize it. So on my way over here this morning, the, the thought that I had to myself was, I want to be a tool to be used to serve you and give you exactly what you're looking for in this session. So to me, success is you walking out saying, I got the answer to a question that I had. So what I, I learned when I started doing this work was I have, I have tons of ideas and information, but it's only relevant if it does that, if it answers a question that you have, if it answers some stirring desire and need that the people in this room have. So let me, let me share a little bit more about my perspective. So 22 years ago, it's hard to believe it, but literally 22 years ago, I was in your shoes at this conference went to the career fair, got a job with Lockheed Martin. That's how my career started. Before that, I had never heard of Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin wasn't as big a deal as it is today. The reason I went to the booth is the winner, the overall winner, we're here for awards, right? So the overall winner of the Black Engineer of the Year that year was a guy named Art Johnson. And he was walking around, he had a suit on, he had his family with him, beautiful family, and he had these cameras following him around. He just looks so cool. So I said, wow, look at that guy. Where, who is he? Where does he work? Lockheed Martin. Okay, I'm going to go to the Lockheed Martin booth. I became so focused on getting a job at Lockheed Martin, tunnel focused, that it actually turned into me getting a job at Lockheed Martin. And as Talia mentioned, I spent 18 years there. Had some amazing things happen. And I have all this information, but I only want to give you what you're looking for. I only want to give you the, the answers to the questions that you have. So who wants to throw out some questions first? And then that'll set up what we do the rest. Yes, sir. Sure. Absolutely. Great, great. I'm, I'm glad. I assume now, because back then no one knew. Not many people knew. I, I assume everyone knows. <laughs> right. So Lockheed Martin is an aerospace and defense company. They, uh, they're about a $50 billion company in annual sales. They sell mostly military systems. So think of a military system as an airplane. Think of a military system as a surveillance set of computers and cameras that go together to watch over us and make sure everyone's safe. Think of a system as a space shuttle. So they build some really cool things. They actually have the largest contract that's ever been given by the Department of Defense in the F-35. If you ever heard of that, that's what that is. And they merged, it was Lockheed and Martin Marietta for 
years. The company's over 100 years old. They merged to become Lockheed Martin in 1995. So the company technically was born in 1995, but it has a legacy. So great. And I highly recommend you go to their booth. I guarantee they've got probably the coolest booth downstairs, or upstairs, wherever we are. Great, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so who, who's about to give me the question? Yes. Um, great question. Great, all right, I'm just gonna capture these and then we're gonna come back and answer them after the break. So how did I turn the experience in Lockheed Martin into becoming an entrepreneur? That's the question. A very interesting answer for that. Good question, what's your name? Princess Williams. Princess Williams, okay. So I got the conversion from being in the company to outside, great. Who else, who has another question? Wow, great question. So um, did we get that, how to go from being in a STEM field to being in business? So my degree is a mechanical engineering undergrad. I got an MBA in finance and I moved into finance. And so I have a very specific story on how to do that. Great question. Great question. Why STEM over sports? Very good question. Yes. Steps to get the Lockheed Martin job. We'll do two more. Yes. So after you intern somewhere, how to make the transition into full time. Okay, so making the shift from intern to full-time, call it mindset shift. Okay, one more. We'll do two more. Here first. Um, are you, like, satisfied with your decision? Like, okay, but you said um, you came to the conference and you got so focused on Lockheed, you kind of didn't open up your options. Are you satisfied with just what you did instead of letting, allowing yourself to have all those options? Yes, great question. Am I happy with my decision to focus on Lockheed Martin as my first job? So the last question is essential skills to pursue my definition of success. All right, so we're gonna take a short, all right, see you in a little bit everyone. Thank you for listening to Job Readiness Certification. Maximize Team Building Skills and Success, Part 1, a Professional Development Seminar, featuring CEO of QSI Global, Talia Fox, and Andre Thornton of Whitman Consulting. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.